0: Welcome to the second episode of what I like to think of as a game podcast for smart people or question time for geeks. This is a podcast roundtable show where we ask the guests themselves to bring the topics. Each getting about 20 minutes or so to talk about it. I'm Robin Smith and as always I'm joined by people from in and around the games industry. This episode my guests are Indie developer behind the Xbox Indie titles, Trivia or Die, Nasty, and Hypership Out of Control, Fun and Fused Games, Chris Steele. Joining him, GameSpot News Editor and host of the long-running GameSpot Hotspot podcast, Brendan Sinclair. Hey. Which one of you would like to go first with your topic? Any preferences?
1: Um, I'll defer to the person that actually makes games.
0: Okay. Okay, so, Chris, you wanted to talk about the creator of Angry Birds and something he said about the future of console gaming.
2: Yeah, um, Peter uh, Vesterbacka. hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, Sounds right. Yeah, he recently came out um, and he said, I guess this is more paraphrasing, but he said that as uh, mobile gaming continues to grow, console games are dying. And uh, I just kind of wanted to get into, you know, the future of console games versus the the future of mobile gaming and where that's going to go, how things like that are going to change, and, you know, whether or not console games are really dying.
0: So, um, I mean, how do you think he meant this? That, like, they, they're dying out outright, or they're, they're going to be changing as a...
2: I... It it seems uh it seems he kinda of believes that the mobile market's gonna become a lot more huge. You're gonna see more people gravitating towards mobile and, you know, farther away from the consoles. Eventually to a point I guess where they wouldn't really be consoles. Um maybe he didn't take that as extreme, but you know, and he also talks about like uh he doesn't want them to be considered casual gaming anymore, the the mobile platforms, but you know, more so just the gaming that everyone does, and eventually um, the mobile kind of the casual stuff now might be more of the mainstream.
0: Mm. Um, how do you feel about that?
2: Uh, I I kind of, I still think they're different. I mean, to me, mobile platforms and like that, they're, they're going to you know it's it's a market that's going to keep getting bigger but it's what i play you know when i have spare time when i'm you know waiting for something you know when i'm just uh you know killing time versus if i'm on a console uh you know it's a it's a big you know i'm i'm putting away you know time i'm like i've got an hour here to play some kind of like really cool game that i've been looking forward to you know, it's more of a, an experience for me on the console personally, and I, I kind of don't really see that going away.
0: Hmm. Uh, Brendan, any thoughts?
1: Um, yeah, I think I, I agree with you. It's the mobile gaming trend is is additive to the industry. It's it's an expansion of of gaming and not a substitution um the experiences that we have been paying 50 60 bucks a pop for on consoles for years and years uh they they can't be replicated on an iPhone i mean look at street fighter 4 on the iphone it looks pretty it does does yes technically a lot of the same stuff is in there but trying to play that thing on the phone versus Really like getting into it with a fight stick on your lap and, you know, the, the intricate techniques it calls for or, or playing Civilization Revolution on your phone versus playing it on the computer, uh, or, or Civ 5. It's just, it's night and day and it's, I think people need to, to understand that one is not a replacement for the other. It's just people are going to go to different mediums different media, different formats in order to get different game experiences.
0: Do you think that maybe he's a little out of tut- touch? To
1: it's tough to call the guy that, that made Angry Birds out of touch. Because <laughs> um, yeah. he's he's making a lot more money than I am right now.
0: No. Well.
1: But it's it's just he has seen one very specific viewpoint on the issue, um, and from that perspective, you know, from the perspective of his bank account, yes, this is explosive <laughs> growth, and it will take over everything. But uh, I think if you if you step back and and look at it from the traditional game industry point of view as well, there's there's no reason uh, that that hardcore gamers or people that have been playing games since the Atari 2600 are going to all of a sudden just junk all their systems and Uh. stick to their, their cell phones.
0: So, I mean, where do you stand on portable gaming as a whole? Do you see that it's growing so exponentially that this view has some merit or grounding at all?
2: I think, uh, you know the consoles aren't aren't going to go away at any point. Um, it, I think it's adding a lot of new customers for one, but a lot of the people are are going to buy both. A lot of your, you know, hardcore gamers are going to want to, you know, pass their free time playing mobile, but but still, you know, fork out, you know, their fifty sixty dollars for games.
0: now um, What do you see more of within the last couple of years? Do you no more casual people buying phone games or is it still more a case of you're personally seeing more people buying console games and owning consoles that it's more still a um, singular gamer only market
2: I I I haven't seen the actual numbers or anything I I've gotta think that console or the mobile gaming is I mean the numbers are just increasing every day I mean, it's hard to find somebody that doesn't have some kind of smartphone anymore these days. And, you know, even kids, my my daughter's uh five. She's got friends that are, you know, talk on and on about their DS and games they're playing, too, for that. You know, a lot of those have, uh, you know, casual games you can kind of download, too. So I think that market's getting a lot bigger. Um, the console market, I... I would figure too. Uh, it's it's going to increase as you know. Companies like Nintendo, they they had the Wii, they brought in a lot of more casual gamers to the services, you know. And then you've got Connect and uh, Move. They're kind of aiming to do the same thing for you know Xbox and PlayStation.
0: Does? The, oh, sorry. Feel free.
1: Uh, I think it's it's clear that the um, growth in in these mobile games is far outpacing um, the console uh, space. But it's the problem is, like, the console space is a more mature market anyways. So it's a lot easier to go from, you know, squat, have 50% growth, and then be, you know, squat and a half versus be a $20 billion industry. You're not going to get 50% growth in a year like that. So companies that are looking like, well, where can we put in, you know, a little amount of money and get a huge return on it. They are going to be drawn more to uh, the the mobile space, which is I mean, it's it's not quite detracting from the console space, I don't think, but it does make uh, traditional gaming less of an attractive market for companies looking to you know score the next big thing with Angry Birds or stuff like that.
0: Does the term casual games um, and its growing prevalence does that make you feel uncomfortable about uh, the future of games as a whole that there's too much of a focus on casual even on console especially with I mean obviously the last couple of years it's it's less prevalent now but the growth of Guitar Hero, Dance Central, Dancing Games, Music Rhythm Games um, Arcade having Dance vs. Zombies and there are good games on or considered in the casual bracket but do you worry that the growing prevalence of what people would call casual games may Affect the likelihood of seeing less casual games, more serious, catered for gamers.
1: Um, I I don't think it's going to get any worse than it already is on that front. Um, I mean, you you see companies like Insomniac Games. It's it's time to expand, and they they have their I think their North Carolina studio, which is more core games as well but then they just announced insomniac click which is dedicated to Facebook games basically so it's it's obviously the area that um, that studios and publishers are investing in now when they have when they have spare money to make investments for the future so that's maybe like if you don't think that there's there's much of a uh, that there's much promise for those games to get better, and personally I'm, I'm deeply skeptical, uh, of that. Um, then, yeah, it's, it's hurting it, but I don't think it's going to get any worse.
0: Just joining us in the middle of this, uh, topic, we are joined by our third guest tonight. It's artist and games designer at Edible Entertainment, James Anderson. Can you see where he's coming from? In any way, do you think that maybe we're all wrong about this, and <laughs> he could possibly he just be ahead of the curve? I mean, it's in my opinion, it's implausible that console gaming will die out so swiftly. But um, do you think he has a possibility of truth in this? Well, yeah, just about.
3: Okay. Um, from my perspective uh, I think that we're going to see a, um, a sort of fusing of the two because I look at um, the iDevice like the iPad and uh, I think that would be really cool if the iPad was my Xbox 360 so it's sort of like I carry the iPad around and play my games and then I can come home and hook it straight into my television for a bigger screen and uh, that's where I'd like to see it go but
0: what about the tangible controller in your hands? I mean, isn't that, depending on the game, de- detrimental to the, the controls?
3: Well, I don't really see any reason why um, you couldn't have a OLED screen device with the power of a, of our current consoles with today's technology, and also have it integrated with your regular controllers, because they would just need to, you know, have a wireless adapter. Inside the device, so that I could still use my Xbox 360 controller, even though I'm playing a game on essentially just the screen, you know.
1: Mm. Uh, I can I can see that happening, but how how soon do you think something like that could happen, James?
3: Well, I would have, I can only base it off of what I see currently, because a lot of times it seems like um, you know the Xbox itself, for example, is already you know like almost uh, four years old now. Is it five years
1: old at this point? Yeah, he'll yeah. be older.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, um, and then I look at my, uh, my iPad, and I've been playing a, uh, a couple of games on the iPad that look very similar to the Xbox 360 games. Um, there's a game that recently came out that was a, uh, by Chair, it's called Infinity Blade. Mm, uh, right? That's yeah. That's uh, the, Unreal, like, uh, iPhone version of the Unreal Engine, and the graphics are very, very comparable. Uh, I feel like if the companies wanted to, they could uh, make this happen pretty quickly. But I think that the um, the economy based around like okay, well, we are so far invested into the Xbox where it is and how it stands at the current you know in its current state that they can't just be like okay, well, well let's just make a uh, a mobile Xbox right now. Right. Um, I think they could definitely pull it off.
1: It'd be interesting to see how that actually hits the market because I mean. Competing with Apple on the tablet front and then competing with Microsoft, Sony, or Nintendo on the console front, like, at the same time with the same uh, unit. Like, I, I could see someone like Sony maybe uh, trying to do both at once, but, like, the the market the way it is right now, that, that seems like a tall order. Mm.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, it's sort of like one of those situations where... um you look at all the chaos that's going on right now in the game industry with all the different peripherals and everything, I mean, I, I sort of feel like I still use my regular Nintendo DS, and then I never really got through all the PS, uh, PSP games. PSP 2 is about to come out. I'm playing tons of games now on my iPad. I got all three systems. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just a lot of, uh, a lot of choice right now, so. And it, the conversation kind of makes me wonder, when the next generation systems are going to actually debut, like how long are we going to be in this
0: generation? Okay. Um, has anybody else got anything else they want to finish up on, on this topic,
2: Chris? Uh, sort of talking about like merging, you know, mobile and console into one sort of piece of hardware. You know, and I can see with the with the iPad how that that could work. But I mean, for companies like, uh. uh Nintendo that already makes, you know, both or Sony that, you know, makes both. Uh, I'm wondering, like, financially if that makes sense because right now they're, you know, they're selling multiple versions of, of the games for each. You know, they're, they're kind of forcing people to double up on, on purchasing things. You know, that might be like a revenue stream that they would be killing off if, if they were just making one thing that you could take anywhere with you.
0: Okay. Anybody else got anything else to finish up on? No, nope, we're all done. <laughs> oh, now feel free.
3: No, I was going to say, I, I wonder, um yeah, I guess it is a, it's a balancing act for these companies to decide when they're going to give us, you know, new devices. There's always, it seems like every time something new comes out, there's like an adjustment period that people have to go through to begin with. I never believed that the iPad itself would... uh as powerful a gaming system as it is so I guess it kind of just it just depends on how well they do it and how they time it with what's already out there because I feel like my uh, Xbox and PlayStation are probably you know, it could feasibly last me another five years, I mean it just but with, especially with all the newer games coming out it just seems like it's still very, very powerful yeah.
1: I guess with the um, the hardware that I guess the difference between the portable and Home spaces has always been the power of the hardware in the past, but our home hardware is hitting the point of diminishing returns where how many developers are really saying, no, this is, this is holding us back on all these fronts, and if only we had, could push more polygons, then we could figure out a way around, you know, all of our design problems. It, it seems most of, you know, most people are, are still, still not through, uh, optimizing on the PS3 and the 360, so, Without that hardware power difference, the uh, the lines between what makes for a portable and what makes for a home home system are pretty blurred. Mm. Like that idea.
0: Okay. Um, we should move on at this point. So, uh, Brendan, you wanted yeah. to talk about it, it's oh, well. I'll let you describe it.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really articulate this that well to, to you. you. Um hopefully I'm gonna articulate it a bit better right now. Uh so this is this is just something that's been kind of bugging me uh in the industry, both in the people who make games, the people who publish them, and the people who write about them. Even the people that play them to an extent is just it kills me uh when I see people not Aspiring to anything. People that don't want something better, who aren't willing to push boundaries, uh, it's, it just, it just kills me when I look at game journalists who don't think that what they do is important, who don't think that game journalism is an actual thing, who put it in quotes, who, who are perfectly happy to just you know sit back and and repeat press releases or do the same old same old that we've been doing for 15 20 years now or when you look at developers and they just they churn out sequels according to a formula or they decide hey we're going to jump into the you know the military first person shooter field and we're not going to do anything new we're just going to try and execute well enough that we can start a new IP um you know when they when they sit there and they play with serious topics like war, and then they don't decide to offer any insight on the matter. They just they take they take heavy things like mass graves, civilian executions, collateral damage, the, the cost of warfare, and then they use it as a way to shock people, uh, but not to provoke thought. And and when you try and suggest like hey maybe you should say something with this, and they say no we're we're just trying to entertain, we just want to make a sixty dollar product about a horrible chapter of human history in which millions of people died and we just want to entertain you with that Mm. or when publishers take a look at something and they say you know what we're we're not going to take a risk on that we're not going to take a risk on that unless someone else has done it first and made a ton of money off of it and I understand that these these are companies corporations they need to look out for their shareholders but I mean, if you look at the if it's a question of the bottom line, look at the rewards for an original success versus something that's just like a competent, unambitious knockoff. You know, the DS, the Wii, the the Guitar Hero franchise, Just Dance. These are making their creators tons of money. They have made them tons of money, even if they've cooled off now or been you know prematurely canceled because someone glutted the market. It's it's just you you can't be afraid to fail because you learn as much from failure as you do from success and you'll never know what you can actually accomplish until you try to do something that you aren't sure about
0: i think you covered that quite well um
3: yeah that um on that perspective I look at a lot of the bigger companies, especially companies like, you know, Capcom and a lot of these really, really well-established companies that just keep turning out sequel after sequel after sequel. It almost seems like, from their perspective, they are really, really afraid of doing anything outside of what they know is definitely going to be successful. And, uh, you know, it gets to the point where they don't really understand what to do to get to that stage. They may have people who work for them who are very innovative people who would actually be giving them, could design really, really innovative games. But mm-hmm. instead, the guys who have been there for years and years and years, they're like, okay, well, you've been successful in this. What's going to be your next one? And they just keep recycling the same things. And they're afraid from internally to, you know, try to get some innovation happening uh, with somebody who they feel like they can trust to, you know, design something good. I kind of feel like one of the solutions for this problem would be that if you, are, if you are a big company, I'm just using Capcom as the first company that comes to mind. <laughs> but if, uh, if you're a big company, uh, I think that they should create some divisions within that company that actually actively seek out indies that are trying to do different things and try to work with them to, uh, you know, to try to boost up some of the innovative things. That way they can keep, you know, they want to make Mega Man 20. They want to keep making Mega Man games. You know, mm-hmm. okay, there's an audience for that, and people are going to buy it because they're seen Mega Man. It's like an icon. They just see the same thing. They know they uh, those characters are going to sell. But um, they can use the power that they have to try to um, push forward some of the innovation because there's a lot of innovative game comp- uh, concepts going on all over the all over the net. And the sad thing that I see is a lot of it is free, you know. Like, you'll see somebody yeah. make innovative game, and they're giving it away for free, because they feel like they have no other way to um, to get this concept or this game out there, and so it gets given away for free, all of its value gets just dropped off, it becomes valueless to a lot of people, they just assume that it's not, okay, well, after a free game, who cares about that, you know? And then, um, they're like, well, I can just go grab the next uh, cookie-cutter game that I've seen. I'd really like to see some companies just, uh, Create a small division within their company that actively seek out innovation,
1: and they 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 probably already have the people to staff these divisions, like on the payroll already. Like if you look at uh, if you look at Super Giant Games, um, the the guys making Bastion, uh, old coworker of mine, Greg Kasavin, was, uh, he's he's on that team, and that team is, from what I understand, mostly people that were working. On the Command and Conquer series, and they all, you know, had their own important contributions to um, Command and Conquer Three or Red Alert, um, w- whatever their latest games were. But uh, honestly, do you think, do you think that you you are better off for having those people working on your, you know, your next installment of something that's based on a well-established template? or having them work on their own, you know, really interesting indie potential breakout successes. Instead, you've got, you know, four or five people that split off from the company, started out on their own, and now they're making this game for someone else. And EA could have had that in-house, and if they had just identified like these are the people that we, you know, that are on our on our staff that that have this creative drive and, you know, we are worth our, our investment, they could have capitalized on that.
0: Okay. Um Chris, would you have anything to say on this? Before we forget you're here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think uh I, I wish you we, we did see more sort of innovative games and concepts, I think it's probably pretty risky for the uh, the big studios to invest that kind of money you know in, in big games but uh, you know I, I like the idea of trying to to work with uh, indie developers you know people like me that <laughs> any big uh, big companies want to call me give me a ring um, but uh, yeah because I think you're gonna see a lot more innovation coming from from companies that aren't Aren't afraid of taking risks and aren't afraid of uh, you know losing money and maybe don't have these established uh, uh, game game franchises you just keep milking year after year. You know, you see uh, you see games like Minecraft just sort of explode. You know, and that's that's something brand new and that's something that's uh, I mean not not completely new concept, but very different than most games.
0: Um, from my point of view where I work in my day job I I, uh, deal with the general public and just sell games I work for a big evil greedy national corporation and um, I see a lot more interest in video games now from the general public thanks to um, games like Guitar Hero and Call of Duty and their kind and the one thing that really bothers me is having grown up with games and played a wide range of games and always been the type of person who gravitates towards the more creative uh, ideas in gaming and as video games that no matter how much you may try and sell something that's more interesting or more unique or a better take on a certain type of game even that people will still stick with the game that's the biggest at the moment or the the general standard or they'll buy their call of duty again this year i mean there are people talking to me now about call of duty coming up and i'm I'm like there's no interest for me in call of duty i mean i know it's a competently made and perfectly fine game for what it is but it frustrates me that there's no way of trying to convey what is so joyful and interesting and, and good about more these other games that people seem to be happy with what they've got and it's a case of maybe they just haven't experienced anything different or better
1: so well, they I haven't had really, anyone spend millions of dollars marketing yeah. something different or better to them Yeah.
0: so do you think it's it, it's uh, everybody's responsibility across the board, you know, that on, on the press side that they the press could be doing more to try and get the these more unique games and indie developers across to consumers? Uh or yeah, that
1: absolutely. it's everyone has a bit of responsibility and everyone plays a role i mean i'm I'm sure james and chris um would like to see more coverage of xbox live indie games on GameSpot. uh i'm i'm sure i would like to see uh more more independent games funded by big publishers you know i'd like to see you'd like to see more of your customers come in and say where's the newest jonathan blow game instead of you know What's the next Call of Duty I can put my money down for? Yeah. Um, it's just kind of it's it's the way an awful machine works, where where no one has the sole blame, but everyone like kind of does their part to make things continue being the way they are. Yeah. Um, so it
3: seems like, from my uh, perspective, part of the um, problem as well is with the. Overall gaming audience itself, like all gamers considered, but like, you know, casual gamers as well as hardcore gamers. Because in a lot of ways, when I see coverage of things going on through, you know, by game journalists and that, it seems that the game journalists represent the hardcore. And so I, rep- I consider myself, you know, a fairly hardcore gamer. I play a lot of games. And, uh, but it seems like the majority of the games sold, or a lot of games sold, are sold to an audience that isn't necessarily, uh, doesn't play the same range of games. And we've gotta, like, sort of figure out a way to help a lot of the people who, uh, don't get a chance to play, you know, any games or, or different games and make them understand why these games are important. Because, uh, you know, I have several friends who own Xboxes and they own, like, two games. And always, it's like, it's really weird to me. It's like you own an Xbox 360, you have two games, <laughs> you know, and so what I do is I say, I'll actually go to them and say, you should buy these games. These are a couple of games that are really, really something like you've never seen before and actually, uh, you know, do something different rather than just allowing them to just buy only the games that they see on the television, you know.
0: Do you see any uh, games coming in the near future that that you think may be unique enough to start getting people interested in more unique games but have the potential to sell to this more mass market for example say Child of Eden or something along those lines
3: The, uh, the Child of Eden game I'm actually personally really really um, anticipating that I think it's going to be fantastic uh And the good thing about that game is that since it has the Kinect support and it seems like Microsoft is really interested in getting more people involved with this uh, whole Kinect thing, although I probably will play the game with a traditional controller, I think that that's a really good opportunity for them to really promote that game and try to get more people interested in the game. That would be a lot different than, like you're saying, like the Call of Duty games and uh, the games that they see over and over and over. Mm -hmm. But um, Child of Eden is also an interesting prospect because, when you look at it, the screenshots is very sort of psychedelic and colourful and I don't, I think that a lot of people will look at that game and just not know what to make of it. They'll just be like, what is this? Is this a, uh, you know, a visualisation, like, Windows Media Player visualisation or is this a is a game where I can do something? So I'd be really interested in seeing them, um, just really get excited about it and promote it, just to push it really hard and try to get open people's eyes to such a different experience.
0: Um, do you think that possibly a game like that could be maybe too difficult for a company to push that they might not know how to promote it?
3: Well, I think that would definitely be a challenge for them because uh, how would they explain it? You know, like, what what is this game? If, uh, if, if you read about the game and, and see what the actual subject matter is, it's so easy for them to be like, uh, Call of Duty, you know, America's under siege, we're going to see all this blood and guts, and everybody's like really excited about that. But then they're like, uh, when it comes to Child of Eden, even though it's going to be an amazing game, uh, I think it would be a challenge for them to try to get um, your typical you know, four or five game-owning uh, person to be excited about it.
1: Yeah, and if, if they don't know how they're going to market it, then they're not going to greenlight it in the first place. Mm. I mean, the reason, the reason Child of Eating, uh, is greenlit, I think, has to do with part of, uh, it's a new IP for essentially a new system with the Connect. And if you're, if you're going to, uh, introduce new IP, I think publishers are more willing to do it in the, the beginning of something's lifespan like that. Uh, it's got the Tetsuya Mizuguchi Res, uh, name attached to it, so, it definitely has awareness with hardcore gamers, and even if it doesn't uh, have some big breakout success, it still has a chance to make back its money just on kind of the, the core market. And since it's Kinect and this you know new fad of the moment kind of uh, system, if if it does hook on with the mainstream, then there's huge upside there.
2: Uh, I don't have too much to add, really. I think you guys uh, wrapped it up pretty well. (laughs) Sorry Sorry I got my daughters. Ah, okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We forgive you. (laughs) Um, Do you think that any of the larger publishers, developers, are getting this right at all, or close to getting it right? For example, Microsoft um, being more creative with the Kinect games that it is um getting developers to develop i suppose
1: um i i don't think any of them are are really getting it right partly because you know disruptive innovation is a very tough sell for anyone that is kind of on top as it is you know look at uh, activision and they are they're not even going into social games really which is kind of weird, but I mean, it's because they are so comfortable and, and so entrenched as the number one publisher uh, for you know console games and then subscription MMOs. Um, so it's it's kind of tough to say, oh, these you know big publishers aren't getting it right. I mean, like look at EA, they do they do new IP here and there. They did Dante's Inferno, Dead Space, Mirror's Edge and Dead Space spawned a sequel and it seems to be getting by but I don't think uh, I don't think EA's been too happy with how its original IP have fared in the last couple of years
0: yeah that's uh sad that is I think we should leave it at that one um, James you had a topic you wanted to talk about the uh, we've pretty much started covering it already but uh the future of games and the possible innovations you'd like to see?
3: Yep. Uh, Some of the things that uh, I've been thinking about lately uh, that are becoming more and more important to me in gaming and stuff that I'd like to see uh, the company sort of, like, take on to is things like, um, I'll just start off with, like, game saves. Uh, I have an Xbox 360, and I had it for about uh, two years, and all my game saves were, you know, being saved as normal. And then the system broke and like um, I had to send it back and I lost all my game saves. They all they all they were all corrupted. So just as a as a way of starting off one of the things I'd really like to see is more um, more of like maybe like a cloud based system where your game saves are saved right alongside your achievements. Because um, that was devastating for me when I lost all those game saves. I felt like my characters literally died. <laughs> Go back and do all this stuff again. I, I had one particular game that I had um, bought, a Game of the Year edition, hadn't played any of the DLC, got all the DLC at the same time, went to play the game, and, uh, you know, the, the prospect of starting a 70-hour game over from the beginning, and, uh, you know, losing the gnome that I set outside my little house game was uh, just too hard to bear. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, and we both agreed that if, um, if the next Xbox came out and uh, my achievements didn't carry over then I can't see myself uh, <laughs> getting in, I'd just be devastated.
0: Oh, that's interesting actually, the achievement thing. So, um, anybody else have anything they'd like to see change in the future? If the next generation of consoles comes along based on the fads and the, the Changes we've seen so far with the implementation implementation of connect and move controls. I mean, what do you think has been the success of this generation, and what would you like to see disappear if if it were to happen?
1: Well, I like the idea about cloud saves. Um, that I I can I relate just thinking about any game that I've spent you know a hundred hours playing uh especially anything with user generated content uh. attached to it uh being able to even just you know back that up in a in a kind of in the cloud somewhere uh, even if that's not the main way to to load things is, is plenty plenty fine with me but um as as for what i what i think is uh the strongest things that this generation contributed it it has it has to have been the online features mm. things, things like uh, Xbox Live The uh, Xbox Live Arcade Specifically I think just really kind of uh, Upended the table In the console space Maybe As much as anything since the introduction of 3D Possibly more than that uh, I think that's huge Digital distribution is Valid now It's viable and it's only going to get more so in the future. Um, so, just any any kind of interconnected feature uh, is is where I think the next generation of consoles are are going to advance leaps and bounds over the current one.
0: Is there anything you'd like to see less of?
1: Um, launch title games. <laughs> They're really terrible. I'd like to just skip to the second generation of games.
3: <laughs> we don't want to be another Connectables.
1: No, <laughs> Connectables was the most interesting title of that launch. <laughs> um, no, but like we got the 3DS coming out here next week, and I, I look at the yeah. of games, and I'm just like, oh, I can, I can get kind of a, a hobbled version of Street Fighter or a <laughs> ho- version of. Rock Warriors or oh man.
3: Are so you saying you don't want to play Street Fighter on a on the DS system?
1: <sighs> no, the game the game's like <laughs> a at this point, and I didn't get too into it back then, so it's kind of like, man, if only I could go back to that with worse graphics and worse controls. <laughs> yeah.
3: That was probably one of the most confusing uh, launch titles I saw for the 3ds. I was like, okay.
1: And especially a, uh, with that over-the-shoulder 3D view, it's like, man, this yeah. is this is gonna make cross-up attacks just like really fun to do. <laughs> it's Gonna puke all over my system.
3: It's perfect. Yeah. Oh wow. yeah. Like I uh, bought a hundred-dollar uh, fight stick for nothing, and I could just be playing the game on uh, a four-button 3DS. Yeah. That was crazy. Thank you. Uh-oh. I think another thing that I'd really like to see uh get a lot of support in the future is um, modding uh console games. I'll give you a good example is that uh there's a lot of games that come out on the PC which uh they have a the, the life of those games seems to go on and a lot of really cool things come out of like people actually breaking the game down, making new maps and uh you know making mods for them. But A lot of the stuff that I've seen on the console front, even though I know it's possible for them to um, give the players more power to create stuff, it just I always feel like they just don't push it far enough. And um, so, you know, you got games like Little Big Planet Two that have come out, and that's that's all about user creation. And um, and another game came out called uh, Mod Nation Racers. And uh, when I played that game, I saw just the mod tools that they gave you. And I thought, you know, it'd be really nice if, uh, if when I got a Halo game, for example, I could actually get really professional mod tools that come with the game rather than just a sort of a bunch of pre-made things that, you know, you could just make the same level basically and rearrange some of the blocks. I'd really love to see them use all the, all the social integration of Xbox Live to create a system, you know, where I can go in and make mods for the games that I have and other people can see those mods and then download them, you know. And uh, it doesn't have to be monetary uh, compensation for anything, but just like um just a real focus on actually ge- certain games having more user generated content, I think would be awesome in the in the next generation of systems.
0: And uh, Chris anything?
2: Yeah, um I I like the cloud uh the cloud saving idea uh quite a bit. Uh, I had the same sort of Red Ring of Death thing on my Xbox and lost all kinds of stuff. Um, but I, it would be cool if you could... Uh, I, I lost my train of thought on that one. Uh, <laughs> I have a note written down about that. I'll try to come back to it. Um, talking about like uh, these bigger franchise games that uh, hit multiple platforms, you know, you've got your PlayStation versions, your Xbox versions... What I'd really like to see is, I mean, you, they're essentially the same game on each system. Why can't I play on my Xbox, again, you know, with my friend who has a uh, PlayStation? Mm. You know, especially when it's very much the same game, you know, it, it would be something really cool like that. I, I kind of doubt we'll ever see that, but it's something that, that I, would, I would love to see. Um, I'd like to see sort of with the cloud saving kind of thing. Uh, if you can start playing on your Xbox and then, you know, when you want to leave, you can you can pick it up on your phone, phone the same game. You know, I think we're getting the power where we can largely do that, where you can be gaming, continuing the same thing wherever you're at.
1: I think they've done things like that already, but it's it's been really crude. Like, if I remember right, the um, PS3 and PSP versions of one of the WWE SmackDown games, You could actually go back and forth with the, uh, with like the, the story mode. But you would, you would have to sync it up. And anyone that's used the systems before knows that it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a junk show dealing with that.
2: Yeah, you need something clearer than, you know, doing that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just, we're like the, you know, one generation away from having everything just be like, oh, well that, that just works. I
0: don't think we'll perfect. ever have a generation where everything just works.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, feel free to yeah, keep going, uh, James. By the way, sorry for interrupting. Uh,
3: don't worry. I was just saying it would be perfect if they just had like a system where if you had a game that you know your portable uh, system, like your PlayStation, uh, your PSP two or NGP, could actually um, just lock out the game when it's on on the PlayStation, but still be updating it so that when you uh, turn you know the other one on like you're playing it on
1: just open the one thing That'd yeah it's like the uh, the remote play feature that they've also got which is also kind of a little bit ahead of it's time junk show just smooth out the rough edges and, and make it more user friendly and yeah that would, that would be pretty great
0: I think that's all, all we can talk about on that one um, uh, has anybody got anything they want to add at the end of that at all? I'll take that as a pretty much a no. <laughs> um, so uh, anybody want to share any details or anything they want to quickly pimp out while they're here? Free advertising time.
3: I do. <laughs> i like Who? anybody who's listening to this podcast to, uh, to check out our game Vex and Silence on the uh, Xbox Live Indie Games. Um, that was one of the first games that we put out and we'd really like to continue to uh, support that game. It's one of the... Uh, one of the more fleshed out and uh, fully featured games of the uh, indie games portals. Uh, um, and uh, also, if uh, you guys want to hear me ramble out about just random stuff, you can check us out on our Twitter, which is uh, Twitter backslash E2Games.
0: Okay, Chris, anything from you?
2: Yeah, um, check out any of our games on Xbox Live, uh, indie games. We've got Trivia or Die, Hypership Out of Control, Abduction Action and nasty. Uh, we got a few more that we're working on. Uh, You can get more details about that at funinfused.com or follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, We're funinfused on on Twitter.
0: And uh, Brendan, just in case? Gamespot.com. We we (laughs) write about games. Good, good. Uh, James, Brendan, Chris, thank you very much for joining me on Dialogue Tree.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.